Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Good morning, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our time of prayer and scripture reflection together. Uh, we welcome all of you and uh, longtime faithful viewers as well as new people. Welcome to all and thank you all for helping us continue to expand our online audience. Today's the Feast of St. Luke within the Catholic Church. Uh, St. Luke, the Gospel writer, of course, and uh, proponent of God's mercy, God's love and forgiveness and uh, the teachings of, uh, of our Lord together with the other three gospel writers. And uh, I also want to mention today is our executive director's birthday. You know Janet Morana from many of these broadcasts and she's been working me, with me from the very beginning. And uh, we want to pray for her today as she continues full force her work with Priests for Life, co-founder of the Silent No More campaign and many other things as well. So uh, she appreciates your good wishes on this, her, her birthday. So we have uh, this uh, reading from uh, Paul to Timothy. Let's put ourselves in the presence of the Lord and prepare to receive his word. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Father, for this day of your grace, this day again of receiving the gift of life from you and defending the gift of life for others. We repent of our sins. We ask you to help us now to hear your word. We ask you to help us to live and proclaim your word that it may grow in all of us unto eternal life. We pray through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to Timothy. Beloved Demas, enamored of the present world, deserted me and went to Thessalonica. Crescens to Galatia, and Titus to Dalmatia. Luke is the only one with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is helpful to me in the ministry. I have sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak I left with Carpus in Troas, the papyrus rolls, and especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. You too, be on guard against him, for he has strongly resisted our preaching. At my first defense, no one appeared on my behalf, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength, so that through me the proclamation might be completed and all the Gentiles might hear it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. First of all, this passage is read on the Feast of St. Luke because it shows the faithfulness of Luke when Paul says, Luke is the only one with me. But there's a deeper lesson here. First of all, read this passage from 2 Timothy next to Psalm 22. Paul isn't just complaining here. He's praising the Lord. 
Jesus was abandoned by all. Paul says, everyone deserted me. He was in the process of having to defend himself right before the Roman authorities. And this letter is written as one of his, his last epistles, late in his life. He's engaged in this uh, process with the Roman authorities because he appealed to Caesar when the Jews complained against him. And, and of course, appealing to Caesar, you know, you could be set free or if your accusers didn't show up, it, the, 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 the case could be dismissed. Or you could be convicted and executed. So Paul, is, Paul knows that he's uh, in danger of his life. And he realizes he's being treated like Jesus did. And this is something we have to understand about the Christian life. We'll get back to this in a moment. You don't just start following Jesus and everything turns out okay. You have to pick up your cross and follow him. Christ suffered for us, Peter says, and left us an example to have us follow in his footsteps. So Paul is recognizing that, hey, you become a disciple of Jesus, you're going to be treated like Jesus. Everyone deserted me, he said. And we think of those words in the gospel after Jesus uh, uh, was arrested in the garden about the apostles, they all deserted him and fled. And just not too many verses prior to that when they're sitting at the table in the Last Supper and Peter says, I will never uh, leave you, uh, it says they all said the same. So here you have, within hours, all the disciples saying the same, I will never leave you, and then the Scripture is telling us they all left him. Human weakness, especially in the face of persecution. But Paul isn't just complaining here. Psalm 22 foretells, it's the prayer that Jesus prayed on the cross. And Paul now coming towards the end of his life is facing the same, uh, the same prayer, using the same prayer. It talks about the servant of the Lord being deserted, rescued from the lion's mouth. Because if you go one verse after where this reading finished, you'll you'll see that Paul says that. I was rescued from the lion's mouth. May it not be held against them. The Lord stood by me and gave me strength. Okay, that's also from the psalm. And then he ends it on the note of, I will triumph and I will proclaim your name to my brethren. And here Paul says the same thing. Not only did the Lord stand by to give him strength, but to give him strength to be a proclaimer of the word so that the Gentiles might hear it as he went through the process of appealing to the Roman authorities and being held in custody there in Rome. People came to him and, and he, he proclaimed the word. He proclaimed the word to the Roman authorities themselves. So that's the first point I want to make here. A beautiful uh, understanding here of what Paul is doing. He's actually praising the Lord. Sure, he's talking about the hardships that he's undergoing in terms of the betrayal of, of others and the unreliability of human beings, even those that God gives us to partner with in ministry. But it's a praise of the faithfulness of the Lord. And he even commends those who hurt him and abandon him to the Lord. Alexander the coppersmith did me a great deal of harm, he said. The Lord will repay him. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay, as we read elsewhere in Scripture. Alexander the coppersmith. Now, when you read this in the original Greek, and that's one of the benefits of uh, 
learning the original language in which these uh, scriptures were written in the New Testament. The word, therefore, did me a great deal of harm implies that this was something uh, having to do with harming a person's reputation by, by putting forward information that is hurtful to them, uh, either true information that one has no right to disclose or false information uh, in order to try to get somebody in trouble. So apparently that was the nature of Alexander the coppersmith's uh, sin against Paul, and, and that's one of the most hurtful things, of course, when somebody... Uh, tries to uh, hurt your reputation. Uh, the Lord will repay those who do that according to their deeds. Now, Paul commends these people. Uh, again, he says a few verses later when he says, everyone deserted me, notice his attitude. May it not be held against them. That's the attitude of real love. You recognize the hurt. You're not justifying what they did. In fact, you're doing the opposite. You're saying that this is something that deserves to be held against them. Just like with Alexander, the Lord will repay him according to his deeds because that's what God promised. But he wants the spiritual good of those people. Now there's a broad lesson here. God calls us to follow Christ. He gives us the duty and the opportunity of proclaiming Christ. And then he gives us comrades. I think of Psalm 16. You give wonderful comrades to me. We have one another. We're comrades in the whole pro-life effort, in the whole effort of proclaiming the kingdom of God. We're comrades with each other. And sometimes people work very closely with us too. I have a wonderful team here at Priest for Life. You've seen many of them on these broadcasts and we'll make sure that you continue to see them. Our staff is fantastic. Those who work here at our headquarters, those who work in various branch offices of Priest for Life around the country and around the world. God gives us sometimes comrades to work with us very closely in the work of the ministry. Priests will be in parishes where they'll have maybe another priest, although that's less and less common these days, but you have religious communities, you know, you have several people uh, there, whether it's uh, priests, religious brothers, religious sisters, they have their communities. So one of the things that the scriptures here remind us about when it comes to comrades in the ministry is that, first of all, we've got to take care of one another because the ministry can bring unexpected tensions, stress, and obstacles even to our own spirit. It's hard. We have to be ready. I always point this out when we're training people for pro-life activism. A key in the training is not simply what is the best answer to this pro-abortion argument or what are the best uh, brochures to use or online video resources to employ when we're trying to counsel someone or convince someone. Yes, that's part of the training. What are the arguments? What are the resources? What is the history of abortion? What do I have to know? What do I have to say? But a key part of the training is what do I have to endure? What attacks are going to come with me from the other side? These cannot be surprises. We can't have someone going into either pro-life work or the work of proclaiming the gospel in general, only to end up having them be surprised and perhaps devastated by the intensity and the frequency of the attacks that are launched against us. Part of preparing is understanding, yeah, it's going to be intense. It's going to be personal. 
It's going to be relentless. It's going to be vicious. We can't think that we're going into ministry and, oh, yeah, oh, well, Dave, everything's going to be great. And, 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 and the temptation is going to be like the temptation on the desert journey when those who were tired of the, the, this wretched food, as they said, or they couldn't find water or the, the desert heat, and they said to, to Moses, uh, let's uh, elect the leader and um, go back. We want to go back to slavery in Egypt. At least we had our, our food there. This is going to be the temptation. The world is always going to try to pull us back after we have set. That's why Jesus said anyone who sets his hand to the plow but keeps looking back is not fit for the kingdom. we got to be ready. The world is going to try to keep calling us back. And this is what happened to Demas. Now Demas is mentioned in the letter uh, uh, to Philemon as a, a, a co-laborer with Paul. So he was, he was working with him. And then Paul says very sadly here, Demas deserted him because he was enamored of the present world. So sometimes, you know, we, you think of the book of Revelation, Jesus says, you've lost your first love. We're, we're get, go, go back. Fall in love with me again, the Lord says. Don't be enamored of the world. Be enamored of me. But you can't be enamored of Christ just once. You can't be enamored of Christ just when you start. It's got to be renewed each day. Otherwise, again, the world is going to keep trying to pull you back. This is what happened to Demas, unfortunately. Mark, now Mark is brought up here. Of course, Mark is another one of the gospel writers. But, you know, Mark started out early. And uh, we read in the Acts of the Apostles in, in chapter 13, when Mark is with Paul and Barnabas and they're going uh, inland on a certain part of their journey, uh, Mark turns around and goes back home. And Paul wasn't very happy about this. And a little bit later on, when Barnabas came to, for, with, to Paul for another mission, Barnabas wanted to bring Mark back again. And Paul said, no, don't bring him back. No, and in fact, the disagreement between Paul and Barnabas was so severe that they parted ways at that point. They, they couldn't do the mission together because Paul didn't want Mark and Barnabas did. But here... And again, this is towards the end of Paul's life here. This is, what, this is his last, uh, last, uh, latest of his epistles. He says, okay, but bring Mark back again now. Get Mark. Bring him with you. He is helpful to me in the ministry. So it's beautiful to see then that, that Mark found, found redemption with Paul, if you will, got back into his good graces. You know, the lesson here... We've got to take care of one another in ministry. We've got to be attentive, not only to the people, the wider audiences to whom we're proclaiming our message, but to the people that God has put right shoulder to shoulder with us, right side by side. I remind myself of this every day. Our staff is very mindful of, of one another, and I'm grateful for that. We really do have a family spirit here. We've got to keep, uh, and Janet, like I say, our executive director, whose birthday is today, boy, does she take good care of the, of the staff as well, always looking out for their well-being. And uh, it's got to be that way. We've got to take care of one another uh, in this great work. And uh, if we don't, we're going to run into various disappointments and find that people will perhaps be overwhelmed by the kind of opposition from the other side or 
become enamored of the world if they don't find the support that we have to give one another. And then there will be those who will be like Alexander the coppersmith. And it's a real, real sad disappointment in life when people that you've worked with, and we've all experienced this, end up turning against you, saying bad things against you. And as Paul says here, and the Holy Spirit is saying it through him, the Lord will repay them according to their, to their deeds. It's a shallowness of mind when we start turning on one another and instead of keeping our eyes focused on the Lord. Sure, nobody's perfect. We hurt one another when we worked. Listen, here's a basic rule of human life. You work together with somebody, you're going to hurt each other in one way or another. That's why the lines of communication always have to be open. That's why we always have to be able to start again each day with other people, taking care of them, forgiving them, uh, asking for forgiveness where necessary. But we're going to end up hurting each other. You work together long enough, any two human beings uh, on the earth, doesn't matter what the, how close the relationship is. In fact, the closer the relationship is, the more chance that you hurt the other person more deeply. And um, we've got to keep our eyes on the prize focused on our relationship with the Lord, why He brought us together in the first place, doing the mission, not acting out of some kind of pettiness, jealousy, envy, vengeance, all these things uh, Scripture loudly condemns and warns us that they keep us from our relationship with God. Powerful lesson here from St. Paul in a passage that might seem to some to have just, you know, unnecessary details. It's like, Paul, talk to us about, talk to us about Jesus and the gospel, not about what Alexander did to you and how Demas deserted you. Why? But there's a reason why this is included in the Word of God. And that's some of the lessons that I have tried to bring across here today. Let's turn back to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for those that you have placed side by side with us in the ministry. And we realize, Lord God, that relationships are fragile, that they, incur, they require our constant care, that people require our constant encouragement not to be discouraged by the attacks of the enemy and not to be enamored of the world and not to give in to the temptation of biting and snapping at one another. Lord God, keep unity strong among those that you have called and who have responded to our common mission. We know that we have nothing in unity with those who reject this mission or who reject you. But Lord, to those who have accepted you and joined us in the mission, give us unity, give us peace, give us concern for one another and give us the ability, Lord, to give each other space, space to fail, space to ask and receive forgiveness, space to move on, space to grow, space to heal. Keep us in unity, keep our eyes on the prize. Lord, we have to save lives. We have to save souls. We have to proclaim your gospel. We have to build a culture of life. Lord, bless all those who have expressed their prayer intentions here today. Give healing where healing is needed, guidance where guidance is sought, consolation where sorrow is felt, and praise of you, Lord God where victory is experienced. We now pray as you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Well, as you know, friends, if you know me, you know I worked for St. John Paul II for a while at the Vatican, and his feast day is coming up, actually. It's October the 22nd, and... Uh, that was actually the day he was installed as Pope. That's why it's that day. I want to say this uh, prayer of thanksgiving to God for him because he was so crucial to the pro-life movement. His document, The Gospel of Life, is one that I encourage you to go back to again and again and again. Go to thegospelaflife.org and you'll see. Uh, that's our website, but it's about that document. But I'd like to offer this prayer now in conclusion. You can find it at prayercampaign.org. We're saying it in these these nine days leading up to his special feast day. Father and Lord of life, your Son Jesus Christ conquered the power of death by his own death and resurrection and made us the people of life called to proclaim, celebrate, and serve the gospel of life. We praise you for the gift of life. This first and most fundamental gift you give us and the foundation of all our other rights. We thank you for raising up St. John Paul II, the Pope of life, and for his teaching and witness to life's value. Grant that we may respond to his call to bring an end to abortion, euthanasia, and all assaults on human life, and to unite in a great campaign in support of life. Bring us a culture of life. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Again, friends, thank you for joining me. Bring others in. Let's continue expanding our online audience. It's very exciting to see how many join us on so many platforms. Connect with me on all the platforms at FR Frank Pavone. That's FR Frank Pavone on social media, and we will talk to you soon. Hello, this is Father Dennis Wild, Associate Director of Priests for Life and I'm here just to remind us that we have the novenas, the novenas to different saints, and today we're going to honor St. Gerard Magella, October 16th. Very important saint uh, relating to the whole issue of childbirth. And my middle name is Gerard, and my mother so named me because there was a little difficulty actually in that for her. So in honor of the saint. But for us who work in the pro-life movement especially, we need to recognize that the intercession of the saints is so important. And here we have a man who was a redemptorist, lived in Naples in the 18th century, and uh, was wonderful in his outreach to many people, but also uh, is known for being the patron of childbirth. And so we also want to speak to those mothers who are not expecting, they already have a child, but they're expecting the birth of their child, and so that everything goes well and that the Lord will continue to bless them in their pregnancy. St. Gerard, you worship Jesus as the Lord of life. I ask you today to pray for my special intention. Lift up to Jesus all those who seek to conceive a child, all those having difficult pregnancies, all those who suffered the loss of a child, and all who lovingly lift up their children to God, 
pray that all of us, by caring for mothers and fathers and children born and unborn, may build a culture of life. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.